time for another edition of Patch in the Past. Matt Smith here, bringing you this one all the way from Bend, Oregon. And that can only mean one thing, the OG of number 11s. Patriots Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Bledsoe, good to see you. Hey, and thanks, thanks for, for making some time for us. Yeah, thanks for making the trip out here. And and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm proud of you because, you know, most people like back east call it Oregon. They call it Oregon. Oregon. So, but you've actually, you know, you, you pronounced it correctly. Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. Oregon. Yeah. yeah. It's like the, what you get shot with. Or- Correct. Oregon. So, I think many Patriot fans know what you're up to these days, Drew, mm-hmm. but most every, but not everybody does. Sure. Tell us what you're up to these days. Yeah, we, you know, on the business front, we we started this uh, this winery the year after I retired from ball. Uh, my last year was 06, and we started Doubleback Winery in 2007. And on the business front, um, it's been a really cool ride. The funny thing is, I just, re- just realized recently I've now been in the wine business for the same amount of time I was in the NFL. Um, and uh, boy, it's uh, it's become a lot of things that we hoped and a lot of things we never could have foreseen. But it's a it's a really cool thing to be a part of now. So now you're going to make me waste this. What I thought this was a good question, by the way, and I just yeah. thought of this on the plane. You're going to make me waste this early. So I was going to ask you, are you a former pro football player who just got into the wine business? Right. Or are you in the wine business? And I used to play football. Uh, it's the latter. I'm in the wine business and I used to play football. Um, That's unbelievable to hear yeah, you say that, yeah. but it makes sense. Well, you know, it's um, now those things, you know, you, I mean, life is life. No, it doesn't exist in a vacuum, you know, and, and the, the football thing has, has certainly helped us in the wine business in a lot of different ways that I, I know that we'll get into in a little bit. But, um, but no, this is what we're doing now. So this is what I do, you know, and uh, I don't I don't uh, I don't hide from the, the football thing. And I love the football thing and is a really, really cool part of my life. But now, no, now we're now we're in the wine business. Why wine? Uh, there are a few obvious reasons for that. Um, the, the, the most obvious uh, being that we really like wine. Um, got into that while we were playing. Um, but then when I discovered that my little hometown was growing some of the best wine grapes in the world, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, now I've got, uh, now I've got, you know, a couple of things working for me. You know, going back home and uh, to a small town and being having the hometown boy advantage of being able to get the right property, get the right winemakers, you know, and, and, and use that competitive advantage. And then to have the story, you know, of being a small town kid and coming home, um, that really allowed us to, to go, you know, a level up from what we would have done had we not had that tie. And then the other part, Matt, that, that, that is, um, you know, that's, that's important is like, shoot, you know, when I retired, I was 35 years old, you know, there's a lot of life left to live. And, you know, we talked earlier a little bit about, uh, golf. I like to play golf, but I'm not good enough at golf to go play every day. I don't like it enough to go play every day and sitting around and, you know, doing nothing. Um, you know, there's no truer statement than idle hands being the devil's workshop, right? And I can get myself in trouble. And I really, truly, from a, on a personal, you know, ego level, wanted to prove that I could be successful again at something different um, and, and, and start over and be a rookie again and, uh, and build something from the ground up. So we were talking earlier before we started here about all the different wine companies out here, wineries out here. And I think people would be surprised to know this is a really competitive business. And as a former team sport athlete who's trying to get the ultimate pinnacle of where you're going, yeah. does this scratch your itch from a competitive standpoint? You know, people have asked me, like, hey, you know, you left football. How do you scratch that competitive itch? Well, I left football and I got into the most competitive industry in the world. By the number of products every year, there, there are roughly 50,000 unique bottles of wine made worldwide every year. And you got to try and stand out in that crowd. So if you're not competing every day at every aspect of your business, you're going to get passed. Now, the one nice thing is that, you know, in, in uh, you know, pro football or professional team sports, in order for me to win, the other guy has to lose and want him to lose really bad, especially if it's the Jets. I want him to lose really, really bad. Uh, but in our industry, if my neighbor has success, that's actually good for my business. And so there's a, there's a pretty open sharing of information, you know, where we want our neighbor to be excellent we just want to be more excellent that's fascinating but on somebody like a, a guy who you played with a damon heward do you want to mm-hmm. bury heward to some bust his balls that your wine's better than his wine you know when you know the person yeah. does it make it a little bit more fun i guess it makes it more fun um and it's you know it's and it's it's a rivalry but it's a friendly rivalry but we but we share information you know but at the end of the day you're like okay well we're still going to try to be better 
but we're also going to try to help him out as much as, as we possibly can. Interesting. All right, let's switch here to football. Was it important to you to be the number one overall pick? We talked about competitiveness. Yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. how well you and Meyer knew each other going in, or did yeah. was it some was that important to you? Like I want to be drafted before him. Well, I mean, look, <clears throat> if you get picked first at recess, that's pretty cool, right? <laughs> it, you know, I mean, let's be honest. Um, and being the number one overall pick, that you know, that's something that you can wear as a badge of honor forever and ever. You know, you were the you know, there's other awards and so on, but ultimately, you know, you were the best player that year. Um, and so that's a really cool thing. Rick and I actually be, ended up being really great friends. They tried to play us off as, as rivals um, when we were coming in. And the funny thing is we went for the first time we met uh, was in New York City. We flew out to do an ESPN deal with uh, Joe Theismann. And uh, which at that point meant that we mostly sat around and listened to Joe uh, talk. And Joe, I hope you hear this someday. Uh, but uh, um, Rick and I ended up having a ton in common, and we've been great friends really since the first time we ever met. Um, was you know just saw him a couple weeks ago, and he's in the wine business also. He's making some killer wine down in uh, in Napa um, under his Mirror label. Um, but yeah, man, being the number one overall pick, you can't take that back. You know, um, you know it comes with a whole box of tricks you know that go along with it. Not the not the least of which being that the team that picks number one is usually a pretty shitty football team <laughs> because that's how they got to pick number one. Um, but yeah, no, I was, that's a cool thing. What, if anything, did you know about New England other than their aforementioned lack of football expertise? I did not know very much at all. As a matter of fact, one of the, um, one of the only players outside of Andre Tippett that I knew of coming in was Irving Fryer. And he was gone by the time I got there. You know, Bill sent him down to, to, uh, to the Dolphins. Um, I did not know very much. You just said that. That just sparked something that that game down in Miami, you and Coates, Danny and Irving Fryer. I mean, I know that there's Patriot fans who couldn't have cared less about football back at the time. You lost the game, which ultimately that's what matters. But there are Patriot fans today that talk about that. Yeah. Reverentially, yeah. that you know, gunslinging game. I assume other than the, you look, time is, is kills all wounds. Mm -hmm. You wanted to win the game. But do you look back at that game mm -hmm. and go, that was fun, man? Well, you also have to realize, you know, for me, that's Dan Marino, right? Uh, you know, that he was part of that, was it the 83 draft class? Yes. And so I was 11 when he got drafted. And so him and Elway and Jim Kelly and all of those guys, you know, they were my heroes right about the time that I started to watch football. And so all of a sudden for me, you know, I'm out there going toe to toe with Dan Marino. Um, and, you know, it was sort of one of those, whoever had the ball last was gonna win the game. Um, and for me, that was, I mean, that was awesome. You know, and then uh, I think the next week we had a, a showdown that was very, very similar Kelly. with, uh, with, 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 with Jim Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Right. And uh, for me, it was really, really cool, but it was also sort of one of those deals where, like, okay, yeah, no, I belong here. You know, I'm, I can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these with my heroes. Um, and, you know, after the game, I can go get their autograph. But, <laughs> but, but, during, but during the game, man, I want to try and take these guys down. It was a really cool time. So I'm just going to back up a little because that was actually in your second year. But did you feel any pressure as the overall number one pick? Like, I got to be the franchise. <clears throat> I got to be the man there's a lot of responsibility here on my shoulders. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure. And, and, you know, and then you go, you know, as a small town kid from Walla Walla that went to school a couple hours away in the wheat fields of Pullman, Washington, and then all of a sudden I'm thrust into the Boston sports scene, which I very quickly learned was a different kind of deal. Um, you know, it's more sports are more of a religion than a pastime, you know, in, in, uh, in that in that sports scene. Um, yeah, certainly I felt the weight to that weight of that. And, uh, um, you know, and it was, you know, it was a, it was a big thing. Um, and I had high expectations for myself. And I know that the the organization and the region had high expectations for me. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind. Um, thankfully, we won the last four games my rookie year, so we had a, a we ended on a high note. But uh, uh, but yeah, that was a big thing. What was your first meeting with Parcells like? First meeting with Parcells was at the combine, um, and I actually turned 21 at the scouting combine. Uh, my 21st birthday, I spent at uh, 
at Hooters with Alex Van Pelt um, <laughs> <laughs> in uh, Indianapolis. You didn't have the money yet for Sam Jones. <clears throat> no, no, we couldn't. No, we, it was way, way more. Uh, but uh, no, first meeting was uh, in a hotel room. Um, and I, it, I've described it before. It's like, it's like you're meeting, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the head of the mafia, right? You know, I mean, the big New Jersey, you know, deal. And it was just one-on-one -on -one meeting in the hotel room. Um, and we sat and visited for a while. I don't remember the, I don't remember the conversation. I just remember being very intimidated. And, and did that help break the ice a little bit? You know, you get drafted and everything like that. Do you get a little memory flashback and go, okay, I'm going there and I'm going with him. So at least I know kind of what I'm up against, although you don't really know what you're up against. You know, I, I, uh, he didn't, he did not let anybody know until the pick was announced, whether he was going to go with me or with Rick. Um, you know, so I mean, I, I thought I was going to go number one to New England, um, but I didn't know until the pick was announced whether I was going to go there or to Seattle. Um, and, you know, back then I wanted to go to Seattle because it was home, right? Right. Uh, in retrospect, you know, I got really lucky. Did you think you should have started right out of the shoot? Of course, you know, of course. You know, I mean, you, you, uh, uh, when you come in as the number one pick, you know, you, you want to be on the field. You know, I didn't want to sit and watch somebody else play. Um, you know, I, I, I'm certain that there could have been some benefits from sitting and watching for a little bit. And I actually did get to sit and watch for a couple games when I got hurt uh, midway through that season. And, and it was beneficial to watch somebody else play and let it slow, you know, kind of let it slow down a little bit. So then when I came back after I, after the, uh, after my, my uh, knee injury, when I came back, you know, the game had slowed down a bit just because I got to sit and watch for a sec. I was the competitor of you. Yes, I want to play. Mm -hmm. I need to play. I'm the number one pick. Mm -hmm. But do you see the, the advantages like, maybe if there's somebody there, but then you're probably saying to yourself, I'm better than this guy. Why is yeah. he starting instead of me, right? Yeah. Well, That's you know, I mean, I, I mean, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's a meritocracy, right? right? You know, you go in there, if you're the best guy, then you go play. Right. And, and, um, and you know, I, I, I did feel like I was the best guy, um, but at the same time, you know, it, you certainly have seen other instances where guys have been able to sit and watch for a minute and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, have more immediate success when they do take the field because of that time. But, uh, you know, I wanted to learn, you know, by being thrown into the fire. You mentioned the finale in uh, 93. Touchdown pass to Timpson to win it. Yeah. Snow in the stadium. Did you get a sense then, Drew, that, hey, you know, maybe we might be onto something here. Mm -hmm. We're building something here, which is why they drafted you after all in the first place. You know, I did. And that, that, those, those early teams, we were really young. Right, and there was a very collegial kind of atmosphere around the team. Um, we all hung out together. You know, there were very few. You know, Bruce Armstrong. You know, was the the you know the, had the seniority, and obviously Tippett was there my my rookie year. Um, and I've got a funny Tippett story for you that when he scared the crap out of me. But um, um, but for the for the most part, they were really young teams, um, and I think we you know we had a sense that we could change things um, and uh, and you know and we did you know we, we did change things and and so it, they were really cool things to be a part of tell me about Tippett so <clears throat> rookie year and Andre was always very kind but he also was Andre Tippett you know one of the baddest dudes to ever walk the planet right you know NFL linebacker now pro football hall of famer but he was also what seventh degree black belt um, we were walking in to after practice the one day and this is back when fans really had access and so there were kids kind of hanging around the the, uh, the the facility and so we're walking up and I'm walking walking uh, next to Tippett and this little kid comes up to ask me for an autograph and Tip looks down at the kids kid and goes beat it kid get out of here no autographs right to this little 11 year old right <laughs> and and and, uh, and I just like it I froze and I just okay well yeah Mr. Tippett said no autographs so I guess I'll just go downstairs well tip came down a few minutes later and he'd gone back to the kid and grabbed what he wanted to sign and brought it down to have me sign it turns out he wasn't messing with the kid he was messing with me right like he was he was trying to get in my head and he did scared the crap out of me <laughs> uh but it was just it was it was funny and uh but tip was always man he was always great to, to me uh we're gonna move forward here to 94 and the minnesota game mm -hmm. what happened at halftime of the minnesota game was it what was <clears throat> what that's where something happened clearly mm -hmm. because of the way you guys came out and changed and adapted mm -hmm. for the second half. 
Well, I changed my shoes before the last drive, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not superstitious, but, uh, but I did wear those shoes for the next six games. Um, but really what had happened at the end of, that, end of the first half, we went two-minute offense, uh, went down and scored right before halftime. And Zolak still claims that it was him, and I can't. I can't. Which I was going to say, yeah. I was going to bring him up because he believes he convinced somebody to yeah. let you sling it. <clears throat> and um, I think he at least did say something to Parcells, but he's like, hey, why don't you just go two minute, let the kid go. And uh, so we did. We came out and we went two minute offense the entire second half. And, um, you know, people do forget sometimes, you know, because we threw it 70 times and came back and won it, but our defense also stepped up and shut him out in the second half uh, and caused some fumbles. And so. Um, but that was, you know, that was kind of when I think, you know, he, he, he finally just like, all right, we're going to take the reins off and, and live or die by letting this kid throw it around. Um, do you look back at that game fondly? Oh, I do. Of course I do. Of course okay. I do. That game was, uh, and I remember, you know, after I threw the, that, uh, the touchdown pass to win the game to, uh, to Kevin, um, you know, God rest his soul, um, I remember distinctly, thinking, all right, I'm going to soak this in, right? Because, you know, had some big games in college and it was all kind of a blur afterwards. And so that one, I really, very vividly remember after that, after Kevin um, uh, caught that uh, touchdown pass, I stopped and I just kind of looked around and I soaked it up and, 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 and took it all in. Um, and then we won the next six and made it into the playoffs. So I do try to listen. And you mentioned Turner mm -hmm. and I can only think of three. You could probably give me a lot more, but geez, Drew. Kevin Turner, mm -hmm. Terry Glenn, yeah. David Patton. Yeah. I mean, I know we all, mm. nobody's guaranteed tomorrow, no. but in a sport where everybody's immortalized and everything mm. like that, and you think everybody's just going to live for, forever, yeah. that has to hit home in a way that, you know, just like, man, you, all the sweat equity that you yeah. had with these guys. You know, I mean, you develop a, a kinship and a brotherhood. You know, I, I, I always push back when people compare it to military because, you know, when you're playing football, you're probably going to, you might get injured, but you're probably going to walk away. It's not like going to war. Um, but you do develop a, a brotherhood, you know, with, with these guys when you, when you play with them. And I remember Kevin called me um, after he got the diagnosis, the ALS diagnosis. And man, that was one of the saddest phone calls I've ever had in my life. Because he was, he was talking about, he goes, yeah, my, my, my son, I can't play catch with him anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, to have, have him struck down, you know, when he was heading into, you know, some really prime years of his life, you know, and then Terry Glenn, you know, had finally, after so much turmoil in his life, he was finally in a really good place in his life. You know, he was happy. Um, and he and I actually had a really, really good relationship. He didn't trust very many people, but I think he trusted me. Um, and he was, and when he was, when he was taken, you know, and then, and then David Patton, you know, tragically, um, you know, goes away. And so, it, it, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's really, really hard, um, you know, when you see guys go that, uh, um, that have so much to still give to the world. On a better note, mm -hmm. when we were out here a month ago and you and RKK were driving mm -hmm. to the winery, you said, you were he said, oh, I've been out here since your wedding. And mm -hmm. you said to him, just like that, you went, oh, by the way, and thank you for the wedding present because yeah. of Terry Glenn, God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. When you saw that the team drafted Glenn, was that like, oh, did, what did that mean to you? Well, so in 96, threw for a bunch of yards. And then in 97, um, something like 60% of that production was no longer on the team. And so, you know, I'm out here still trying to do the same things, but we don't have the same level of weapons. Uh, and then when, uh, when we saw, I saw that we were going to go get this, this dude, I was like, okay, you know, now, now I got another guy that can really go get it. Um, and I think, I don't know if that record still stands, but I know at one point, even though he, even though he had missed a couple games early in the season, um, he had the all-time rookie record for pass receptions. Was there a point in time in 96, do you remember a game, do you remember a series, do you remember anything where you said, we're legit? We're legit. Man, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, you know, I felt like we had something good going, you know, all the way through. Do you remember beating San Diego in San Diego? Is that a Sunday mm -hmm. night game? And the Chargers mm -hmm. were good. Yeah. Like, that's a game the Patriots lose every single time yeah. on the road. And, so, and yeah. you throttled them. Glenn yeah. had a huge game in that game. Yeah, we gave them a good beating that day. Like, I, I don't know if that was the game, but yeah. that's the one that sticks out at me. Yeah, remembering, that, that, like, that, one was, that one was a big one. Um, 
I remember late in the season, you know, we had to come back and beat the Giants you know, down, down in the Meadowlands, um, you know, to, to keep, our, keep our hopes alive because we, we ended up having to buy, but, but, you know, with two games to go in the season, we, I, we, we weren't guaranteed playoffs, right? right? Um, you know, so, yeah, there were, there were a number of games that season, but, yeah, given the, uh, you know, given the Chargers a beat down out there, that one was pretty fun. And that was one of those games where the guys took such great care of me. You know, I think I came out of that game without any grass stains, you know, which those are fun games. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what do you remember about the AFC Championship game in Jacksonville and how electric the stadium was? Not only when the game started, of course, I say electric, the lights go out in the middle right. of the game, um, but afterwards where... My words here, it was like, I think Patriot fans knew that they were onto something when they drafted you. Mm -hmm. You know what? There's now hope. We've got a legitimate coach. We've mm -hmm. got an owner now who's committed to the team. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, all of that culminated mm -hmm. in going to the Super Bowl. Did you feel like the region, you talked about mm -hmm. Boston sports, and you didn't know what you were getting yourself into. At that point in time, did you go, now I know what we're getting into here? You know, um... It, it's when you're in the middle of it, you're just focused on playing ball, right? And and so, um, I I do know that that was uh, it was pretty amazing. You know, first of all, the the week before against the Steelers with the fog, um, you know, where the Steelers were. I think I think we were underdogs in the, in those games, even though we were at home. It seemed like we were at least. We felt like we were underdogs. Um, but then when uh, yeah, when we uh, when. Otis returned that <clears throat> that uh, fumble for a touchdown and that iced the game. We're like, man, we're going to the friggin' Super Bowl. Um, and I think that it was it was cool for us because we were, you know, when 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 we got there, um, you know, we were the fourth team by a long ways in New England, and uh, and all of a sudden we were relevant in the New England sports scene, um, you know, and yeah, no, I, I felt like okay, yeah, now we've arrived, we're onto something. It didn't end the way you wanted it to end, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you just said something. Mm -hmm. We were fourth. You were dog four mm -hmm. at that point in time. Yeah. Do you take pride, Drew, in saying, hey, I was a part mm -hmm. of resurrecting it mm -hmm. and igniting a flame in mm -hmm. New England mm -hmm. and in the Boston region yeah. where the Patriots are now, they're one and you can't even see number two. Yeah, you know, I think I, think I was just with Willie McGinnis down at the Super Bowl, and, and I've shared this story before, but... I remember uh, the um, the 01 Super Bowl, um, or I guess 02 after the 01 season. You know, we're there and Tommy's playing, and and but Willie came over to me in pregame and he goes, "Hey, never forget, we started this shit, right?" And you know, when you're when you're when you're a part of whether you're talking about cultural change in society or cultural change in a business or cultural change in a in a sports organization. Cultural change is hard. And we took great pride in the fact that we took, you know, a franchise that was a perennial, you know, doormat to a team that was a, a contender uh, and, a, and a team that people cared about and knew about. Um, and so, yeah, we take a lot of pride in the fact that, that, that those teams changed it. These are my words. Did Parcells <laughs> antics, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. did that? Ruins may be too strong, but that, did that affect you and others? Not from a game preparation statement, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that, mm -hmm. but when you look back at that, mm -hmm. yeah, we lost the Super Bowl, and, and guys like McGinnis, mm -hmm. Malloy, mm -hmm. Ty talk about seeing the green mm -hmm. uh, confetti come down, and they could never get that out of their mind. But, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. did that cause a stain or leave a stain for you? Like, mm -hmm. you know what, that wasn't what I wanted from a Super Bowl. Like, if we're going to lose, mm -hmm. let's mm -hmm. lose. Mm -hmm. But all this other Michigasset was going on just mm -hmm. was unnecessary. You know, it was, uh, um, well, first of all, I've never watched that game. Mm -hmm. it, it's, I've, never seen, I've never seen film, never I've never watched that Super Bowl. It's too painful. You know, it's... Uh, and do, it's, would you have any interest in ever doing that? I don't, I don't think so. You know, it's just, it's, it's too painful when you're, when you're, when you're that close to the ultimate goal and it doesn't work out, that's it's you know it'd be like you know you hear about climbers that go climb Everest and they get within you know a, you know a few hundred feet of the summit and you don't get to get there um, and you, you have to turn around. So, um, but it, I I do know that it was it was frustrating you know during that week we've been on this unexpected run to the Super Bowl nobody had predicted that we would that we would be there um, and that wasn't the story. The story was whether or not Bill was going to the Jets. Um, that part was frustrating to us. So then, were you happy 
-hmm. Or did you think, you know what? Change is going to be good here. We could mm -hmm. use a change of pace mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And it happened to be Pete. Mm -hmm. So let's go. I think the change mm -hmm. is going to be good mm -hmm. and we'll be okay. Did you embrace that, I guess, is maybe the better way to say it. I, I did. I did. And I think we did um, as a team. I think we, we had a lot of hope that we were going to build something that was very sustainable going forward. Um, you know, unfortunately, we had some drafts that didn't work out and we had some untimely injuries and, and it just... It didn't go where it should have gone, and I think you know Pete took the brunt of that um, in in most case in most ways you know unjustifiably, um, but we just you know it, it was it it just didn't work out the way that we wanted it to. But we had a lot of hope that things were going to go. go Is that the reason why it didn't? For all those reasons, Drew, <clears throat> that you know because everybody talks about what the shape the roster was in and mm -hmm. all your leadership and everything mm -hmm. like that, young quarterback prime mm -hmm. of his career. Mm -hmm. Was it those myriads of things, the mm -hmm. injuries, poor drafting? Mm -hmm. It isn't like, yeah, it's your fault, Pete, mm -hmm. or yeah, it's your fault, whoever. Mm -hmm. All those things contributed to it? All those things contributed to it. You know, and, and um, you know, winning at the NFL level is so hard. Um, and, you know, most of the games come down to one or two plays. At the end, most of the games are really close. Um, and when you have, um, you know, some of your, you know, your playmakers that aren't available, you know, sometimes that one play, you know, whether it's, you know, Meggett making a guy miss and getting a big first down or, um, you know, or, you know, Terry or Sean, you know, that, that if they're at 100 percent, maybe we're maybe we're still rocking and rolling. Um, but it was it was all of those things that contributed and. and that um, you know, we didn't make the run that we expected to run to make. You're in a much better place now, and you don't seem like a person who has regret. Mm -hmm. But you talk to a lot of professional athletes, mm -hmm. coaches, and everything like that, and they'll tell you it's the failure mm -hmm. that keeps them up, not mm -hmm. the success. Mm -hmm. So, with looking back on that, do you look back at those three mm -hmm. years and go, "Man, we—that was a golden opportunity." It was a golden opportunity, and I remember saying, "You have to go back and find it." But I remember saying when, um, when Bill left and then when Curtis left and went to the Jets and we had a whole bunch of draft picks, like these drafts are going to determine whether or not we continue to climb or, or, um, or whether we you know, become an also-ran. Um, and a lot of those draft picks didn't work out. Poor Robert Edwards, you know, he was, he was on his way to being a special player before he got hurt at the Pro Bowl. And, um, you know, and so the, you know, that, that was really ultimately, I think, what prevented us from keeping going was, um, was how we did in the, in the draft those, those ensuing years. I know Robert talks about when he made the decision, which couldn't have been easy for him mm -hmm. to get rid of Pete, mm -hmm. and he wanted Bill, mm -hmm. and he talked to lawyer, he talked to Ty because mm -hmm. of those guys' relationship mm -hmm. with him back in 96. Mm -hmm. did, you, did you get a chance mm -hmm. to weigh in, and did you think, so you're here with this, again, my words, this authoritarian mm -hmm. guy in Parcells, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more player-friendly guy in Pete, mm -hmm. now you're going to go back to this other kind of style. Were mm -hmm. you on board with that? I was, you know, and, and um, you know, and I loved Pete then, loved Pete to this day, um, but it hadn't worked out and looked like things were going to change. And I, I remember, you know, Robert asking me, you know, and I didn't, I had obviously was on the other side of the ball, so I wasn't around Belichick in 96. Um, but I knew I didn't want to compete against him anymore. <laughs> you know, so if, if nothing else, we were getting him out of the division and then bringing him over to, uh, to, to our side, you know, seemed like it seemed like a good move. How did you feel? So is it, you helped me on the date here. It's the summer of 2000. When did you sign your next deal? Was it the summer, at Bryant, <coughs> at the summer yeah, of 2000? Yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, no, it was, I actually went out there in the, in the, in the middle of the winter. I remember because when I landed, we had a big snowstorm. Um, so it's the middle of the winter and I flew out there to, to, to sign that deal, um, you know, prior to the, to the 01 season. Right, right, right yes. Yeah, it was prior to the 01 season. Right. And um, how did that make you feel? And I think at the time, highest paid quarterback, <laughs> highest paid player in the game. Those are that's yeah. mind boggling no, yeah, statement, no, isn't it? Yeah, no, it was it was uh, what it meant to me was that um, great. I'm going to be able to finish my career in one place. You know, that's what it meant to me. And that's uh, and that's what I anticipated. And I think that's what everybody anticipated at that point was that now 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 I'm here for the duration. Was there a feeling of invincibility? I, I don't know if that's the right mm -hmm. word, but mm -hmm. did you feel like, well, I'm immune to anything mm -hmm. here? You know, like they've got a lot invested in me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm good. I'm good. I think so. You know, I mean, I think that, that, that would be unavoidable. Right. You're like, OK, you know, I've been here for eight years and um, I'm the guy and we just signed a 10 year deal and 
you know, now we're set, let's go. And uh, this is going to be a good run, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, so, yeah, I certainly felt that way. And because of that, mm -hmm. do you see the Damons, mm -hmm. the Michael Bishops, mm -hmm. the Tom Brady's mm -hmm. as anything other than just a backup? No, man, those guys were they were they were they were backups. I was the guy. Right, right. And, 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 and I don't and mean was, that like that sounds like I'm being derogatory. No, not a, no, not at all. No, but, I, like, I, this I think, isn't necessarily mm -hmm, competition. Mm -hmm. These guys have a role to play. It's a very important role. Yeah. But I'm the quarterback. For sure. Yeah. There was and and uh, you know and and I think all of those guys and Tommy included would say that I was an open book. You know, I I shared everything with them. Right. You know, I remember hearing. You know, Brett at, at one point, Brett Favre saying at one point when Aaron Rodgers was there, was like, no, I'm not here to coach this guy. I'm not here to I'm not here to groom my replacement. And so I don't know that he helped Aaron a lot, you know, but I I shared information openly and freely because there was I did not feel any any threat from uh, from those guys. This one might be a question better for Tom mm -hmm. instead of you, but I know <clears throat> you and Tom have a really good relationship. Sure. Yeah. And if you put yourself in his shoes for mm -hmm. a second, which is really hard to do. Sure. But if you were to put yourself in his shoes, do you think that he would say, you know what, um, the guy who got us on a winning streak should start mm -hmm. and necessarily the incumbent shouldn't start? Do you think he would look at it the way that you looked at it that way if he yeah. was in your shoes? <clears throat> you know, I, 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 we didn't, we've never actually had that direct conversation. We, 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 we never have. I, I, know that, um, I know that Tom had, you know, at at that time, I think you'd have to call it an irrational belief in, in his ability no to, 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 uh, uh, to take it on. Um, now, in retrospect, obviously, it wasn't irrational. But, um, you know, but I think that, uh, you know, he viewed it as this is his opportunity and he's going to try not to sit back down, you know, which is the way that you should approach it. I've talked to other quarterbacks over time that have obviously nobody's had Tom's level of success, but other guys where you're like, okay, yeah, I'm here to be the backup. And so I'm going to go play for a little bit. And then I'm obviously going to go sit back down. I don't think he ever really viewed it that way. I think he viewed it like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go take this job and, uh, and run with it. Again, time's a great healer and everything mm -hmm. at the point in time when this is going on, mm -hmm. I can't imagine what you were going through. Uh, but with the benefit of time, yeah. and as you already mentioned, what he's done, yeah. does that take any of the sting out of it at all? Yeah. I mean, the guy's friggin' still playing, and he's 45 yeah. years old. <clears throat> well, first of all, he needs to find a hobby. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, he's got to find something else he wants to do. Well, maybe he um, could be an investor. Yeah, there you go. Right, right, right. <clears throat> or, or at least start. I, I was kind of hoping that when he, quote unquote, retired, that maybe he's going to start drinking wine again. Right. <clears throat> um, but I guess now he's going to go back and play, so I don't have to wait a while before he starts buying wine. Maybe just will buy some wine. Um, um, but no, I, you know, I think um, you know the, the if you're going to be replaced by a guy and not get your job back, and then he goes on to become one of the greatest of all time, you know, that makes it feel a little more palatable. Um, you know, I still think it was the wrong decision, but hey, what do you know? <laughs> As well, you should because you're a player, right? Of Drew? course, man. No, yeah, you always want to be the guy, right? And I think, I, I think people have seen little clips here or there. Mm -hmm. You've come back on several occasions. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, honorary captain for AFC Championship mm -hmm. games. Sure. Been yeah. there for Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. And people see you, the two, not many people, but you get a chance to react with Tom. Mm -hmm. There's a bond there that's never going to be broken. I mean, sure. I think people that might not know anything go, well, you know, Drew's never going to talk to him again. Why would mm -hmm. he do that? He took mm -hmm. his job. Mm -hmm. That's not the case with you guys, right? No, man, we had, we, had, we had a great relationship through the whole thing. And I continued to help him, you know, after that decision was made. I continued to help him out. And, and, um, and I, you know, even before he took the field, he was a guy that I had a lot of respect for because of the way that he approached things, the way that he worked, and all of those things that are legendary now. Um, so he and I never, we never had a problem. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to be warm and fuzzy when he's got your job and you don't, but, but we were able to put that aside and I was able to, to help him through the, um, you know, through the, the, the whole thing. There's a very famous clip that I think it was mm -hmm. Fox that, carried, that mm -hmm. captured it because they had the game, mm -hmm. but it's after the game, mm -hmm. the Super Bowl 36 against the Rams, mm -hmm. and he's pounding your chest mm -hmm. like, I, mm -hmm. we did it, we did right. it, and he was basically saying, like, we got this one for you, mm -hmm. and you look kind of amused, like, this is this young kid is, you know, was that <clears throat> bittersweet for you, Drew, at that uh, point it was, the, it was the very definition of bittersweet. You know, this is my team, right? You know, and this is the goal. You want to win a championship. Um, 
but I wasn't the guy on the field. So it was the very definition of bittersweet. I was so ecstatic for the team, but personally, it hurt, man. It hurt to not be the guy uh, when we were doing that. But there's, <clears throat> there's one, one kind of interesting anecdote about, about our relationship that I don't ever think I've ever put out there. We, we bumped into each other um, skiing in Montana. Um, and by the way, Tom's still not a very good skier. <laughs> Apparently now he skis really fast, but kind of out of control. But, uh, but we were there and said hi to him up on the hill. And then I was skiing with the kids and we took off. And, and uh, end of the day, I, I, uh, I had a phone call. And so I up there and I was on this phone call. Well, the mountain closed while I was, while I was up there. And uh, all of a sudden there's nobody on the hill. So I just go ripping down. And I get to the bottom and I see Tom um, kind of getting his skis off. And he was with a female. So I just assumed that was Giselle. So I came ripping down and I came in to spray him, right? I was gonna just cover him in snow. Well, of course I miss and I just covered Giselle with snow and I've never, <laughs> and I've never met her at this point, right? And, and so Tom looks at me, you know, like, oh, it's go time, right? You know, I don't care, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. And so I was like, hey, hey, it's Drew. And so I just, I walk over and I give Giselle a hug and she gives me a big hug back, right? And so then we're walking in and, and, and she goes, um, she goes, um, she goes, understand that I don't normally give people hugs when I meet them for the first time. She goes, but you don't understand how you're talked about in our house, which was a really cool moment because, you know, there was obviously there's a ton of mutual respect there. And, and uh, um, you know, it was a cool thing. You mentioned the bitter, the, it's the ultimate in bittersweet. Mm -hmm. What did it take for you to get over that? Was it to go and have success someplace else? Sure. Was the, you know, the 31 to nothing mm -hmm. in 03? I mean, mm -hmm. those things are mm -hmm. fleeting because mm -hmm. you're on to the next game or anything mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. How do you process that, Drew? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, um, what is it? Living well is the best revenge, you know? Like it, and, uh, um, yeah, I wanted to go on and, and uh, you know, prove that I could have success elsewhere. Um, you know, I, we only had the one, the one great success against uh, against the Pats, but that one was a lot of fun. It was right after they traded Lawyer to, uh, or let Lawyer come over to uh, to Buffalo, um, and uh, yeah, that's 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 what I wanted then was to go, um, you know, prove that I could do it again. Obviously, the region loves mm -hmm. Tom for obvious reasons. Sure. As you said, yeah. one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. How can they not love him? Yeah. Do you realize how much the region loves you? Did it take yeah. maybe <clears throat> that Hall of Fame induction weekend with everything that had gone on, everything like that? Yeah. We talked yeah. earlier about, you know, you're yeah. part of the Holy Trinity, man. Yeah, yeah. It's you, it's Parcells, it's Kraft. That's yeah. what built this. Do yeah. you realize that there's yeah. legions of Patriot fans yeah. that love you for that? You know, I, I do. Um, it's really fun for me now when I go back because the, um, the, the people that were fans then are, are older now. <laughs> And I feel like they have this really strong um, um, feeling that we're buddies. And, and I feel that way too, you know, so I'll walk down the street and instead of, you know, hey, we got to get a selfie or sign this autograph, we're like, hey, Drew, how you doing, man? Good, good. How's the wine business? Good. You know, and it's, and it's you know, high five and, and, and keep moving. Um, but the, uh, the, the Hall of Fame induction was really, really cool. And it was, it was honestly, it was really great closure for my family. You know, because I think I'd, I'd kind of processed it and was, was, was through it. And, and, but for my family, you know, when something happens to somebody that you love, it's more painful than when it happens to you. And we've all experienced that in our lives. And, and for my family to feel like I wasn't treated, you know, properly, um, to be out there and to stand there and to hear that ovation from uh, that stadium that day, um, it was a great closure for, for mom and dad, for my brother, for my wife. Um, you know, it was a great closure for them as well. I know Tippett scared the kid off who was asking you for mm -hmm. an autograph, but you're yeah. a 20-something-year-old kid from a completely different part of the area. Yeah. You know, there's rabid Northeast Corridor Boston fans yeah. who can be really obnoxious. And as a 24, 25, 26-year-old, yeah. maybe, maybe Drew Bledsoe's got to be standoffish about it. Yeah. The circle of life, yeah. you mature, yeah. different things happen in your life, mm -hmm. and you realize now how much they do love you. Yeah. And you love them back now. Now yeah. it's it's easier for you to understand what mm -hmm. that passion was like. Is that fair? That's <clears throat> yeah. That's very fair. That's very fair. And it, um, um, you know, look at you know the, the the New England fans can be a fickle bunch. You know, and we all we all know that. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, a few things. Number one, I think I I always tried to conduct myself in in the right way. Um, now I would I did have to you know, 
kind of bring that circle in pretty tight while I was playing. You know, we didn't, you know, we, um, thankfully it was before social media and before everybody had a video camera in their pocket. Um, but, um, you know, now, um, you know, going back, I, I don't really feel like I have to be that way. And I can, I can be out there with people. And I think there, there's, uh, you know, mutual respect and, and admiration uh, with the fans and with me and with my family. And I try not to be on social media, but here's just a little, and I never try to read the comments, mm -hmm. but that picture that we took mm -hmm. a month ago mm -hmm. with you and Robert mm -hmm. at your winery at Double Back, mm -hmm. and that was pushed out. And mm -hmm. I looked at some of the comments, Drew, and I don't know if you look, if you're a comment person, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, mm -hmm. it was 100% of the fans that were sitting yeah. there going, love Drew, yeah. good for Drew, yeah. great to see Drew. Yeah. And I just wonder that that gets yeah. to you somehow. Not that you, when yeah. I when I say gets you that you mm -hmm. get that message, you yeah, know, that for that sure. gets back to you. For sure, I don't. I I I, you know, I've, I've been pretty good with the on the social media front of I I, I try to eliminate the negativity to the to the extent that I can. Um, but yeah, it's almost entirely positive, and and uh, it's uh, uh, yeah, and it's good. It's 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 good, you know, and it's uh, it was an important, informative time in uh, in in my life, and it was a hell of a ride. Um, and uh, now to, to have that mutual appreciation that goes both ways, um, it's a very, very cool thing. Who's the best teammate that you ever played with? Oh, man, who's the best teammate I ever played with? And I played with so many great ones. That's a really hard question. Um, let's see. Um, well, in Buffalo, Larry Centers was one of the guys that jumps out. Man, the guy was a character. He's really smart and would do everything. You know, he, he he should be. There's certain. You know, there's a lot of guys that should be in the Hall of Fame. Larry Center's the all-time leading receiver for a running back mm -hmm. in the history of the league. Right. And he's not in. Right. He should be in. But he was also a great blocker. Great. Um, you know, in uh, in New England, I mean, for me early on, Coates was the guy that saved me personally because he, um, you know, just on the on the field. Um, Teddy Bruschi. Lawyer, Ty, um, and then obviously I'd go right down the line with all the guys that blocked for me that were that were superheroes. I'm still still close with with uh, Bruce Armstrong. We keep in touch on a pretty regular basis. Um, it's amazing with Bruce though, who was such a certified badass. And I get random text messages from Bruce like, "Hey, just want to reach out, and tell you I love you, brother." Right? I'm like, wait, who's got Bruce's phone? Right? <laughs> you know, who's messing with me? Um, but man, so many great guys, and it was, uh, you know, through through the whole thing, man. So many great teammates. If I tried, started to try and list all the great ones, um, I, I probably wouldn't do it because I would end up leaving somebody out and be like, oh shoot, that's right. And we talked about Chief earlier. We talked about David Patton. What a great teammate that guy was. You know, up and down. So yeah. Who's the toughest opponent you played against? Is there one or two people <coughs> that you can think of that? Your game plan that week, and you go, this is going to be a grind, man. This yeah. is going to be really hard. You know, Warren Sapp was a guy that was that was a pain in our ass, and I had to play against him again when he was with the Raiders, when I was with the Bills. Um, oh, no, wait, man. No, with the, the Bills and I think with the Cowboys. Um, Bruce Smith, obviously, but we had Bruce Armstrong over there, so that was a battle that everybody focused on every week. But, but thankfully, we had Army you know, blocking him, so it was not as big a deal as it would have been for other people. I do remember my rookie year, there was one play that they had with Bruce Smith on tape that they took out of all the cut-ups because they didn't want guys to see it um, because Bruce just, Bruce Smith just ruined, the, he lined up over the center and just ruined him. And it was, yeah, so. Um, um, Those are two pretty good examples. Yeah. Remember Deion Sanders for all the noise and, and, and all of that stuff? That guy, that guy was, he was, he was that good also, you know. Thankfully, didn't have to play against him that much. Right. Okay, so let's go back. Mm -hmm. Why was it important for you to have Robert come out here and see what you've built? You know, it was important for him to come, and I'd, I'd been trying to get him to come out for years and years um, because a lot of what we do and a lot of what we talk about as a business uh, ties back to what he's done in building the Patriots and to what they are and what they've become. And probably the most important piece of that is that, you know, I asked him at one point, you know, what separates you from everybody else? And he goes, there's, there's not one thing, it's everything. We compete at everything. And that's a mantra in our business. Like we, um, there's, there's no detail too small to not try to be the best at. Um, and 
so yeah, I talk about it. I talk about him a lot with our team, and it was important for me to have him come see that a lot of what we've done is in, in some ways a tribute to him and what he's built. For you to do that, and you know, I'm sure you're speaking to your team about him in almost like mm -hmm. mythical ways. And sure. does this yeah. guy even exist? You know, right. and everything. Right. What did they get out of seeing him and seeing the two of you? And mm -hmm. you know, I've been telling you guys this that mm -hmm. this is my guy. Mm -hmm. What did they take out of that when they saw him actually in the flesh? Yeah, you know, I think that I think that they realized that you know, yeah, this guy's a, a real person, and also a really good person, right? You know, and I think that um, you know, people can tend to see these guys that have achieved achieved these un unimaginable levels of financial success, and they're like, oh, this guy, this guy must be just an, an an asshole, capitalist pig, you know, and to see that he has true heart and soul about him. I think that was really meaningful for our team. Um, and it's also kind of fun, honestly. Um, so much of our team is so young um, that to have him show up and, 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 you know, talk about me the way that he did. Like some of these people realize, oh, okay, yeah, you know, our boss, you know, actually, you know, did some shit back in the day. It's, I think, I don't know, I'm not a great math person. It's nearly 30 years after you were drafted and mm -hmm. you can pick up the phone I know he wasn't there right at that time, mm -hmm. but pretty mm -hmm. soon after. Mm -hmm. And you can still have a relationship with your boss. I mean, it was your boss. It wasn't your coach, it was your boss. He afforded you with that contract, you know, mm -hmm. a lifestyle that you mm -hmm. probably never could dream of. Sure. And the fact that today that you can pick up the phone mm -hmm. and call him, mm -hmm. what does that say about the relationship mm -hmm. that the two of you have, Drew? Well, it, it, it transcends, um, you know, a working relationship, a, you know, boss, owner, you know, player. It's a true friendship, and a um, and a um, you know, he's been a great mentor even when he's not trying to be. A lot of times, I think he says things, and I tell him all the time, "Is like, hey, you know, when you talk, I actually listen. Um, so be careful what you say." Uh, but uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a unique relationship that that went that 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 changed over time into a true friendship and um, you know, great mutual uh, respect. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's just, a, it's a, it's a, it's a neat thing for me to have that real true friendship with, with a guy like that. Is it important to you, as you talked about a little bit mm -hmm. earlier, mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to do everything that you learned. You're not mm -hmm. going to take everything that somebody says, but it's important to you to take those key tenets that you learned maybe from mm -hmm. him mm -hmm. and implement that into the way you build and you operate and run your business on a daily basis. Absolutely. It's absolutely important to me that, and there's a, um, I don't want to say pressure, but there's an accountability um, that I feel. Um, if I'm going to call him a, a, a friend and mentor, there are certain ways that, that we have to do things from an ethical standpoint that, um, that have a little bit more weight. Um, you know, one of the things I talked about with our team that's, that's true with him is that he's had, you know, people that have worked for him. I think Al said he's worked for him for 41 years. Um, and, you know, Stacy's been there since 93. I don't know, when did you start? Uh, 04. Yeah, 04. So you, uh, oh, you, you got that one. Newbie. Good. You're, just, you're, just, you're just a kid. But, um, and I talk about that with our team. Is like we're, one of the things that we are really trying to do is to build a business that people don't want to leave. Um, and, um, and we tried to, because of that, we try to treat our people um, in a way that they know they're valued so that they don't always have their eyes on the greener pastures on the other side of the fence. Um, and that, and that's another thing that, that, that's important to me. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be a stepping stone business. I want to be a business that people want to work for forever. He's a pretty open book. Mm -hmm. He's on the society pages. He's mm -hmm. with music people, yeah. actors, actresses, rappers. Yeah. What, and, pa and Patriot fans, I think, have at least a pretty good glimpse of who he is. Yeah. What would they be surprised to know that you know about him that maybe the general public doesn't know, Drew? Well, first of all, I don't know if people get a sense for how funny he is. I mean, he's a funny dude. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and can be pretty off color, you know, in a, in a really funny way sometimes. And I'm certain that they don't get to see that side of him. Um, but, uh, you know, he's very, very genuine. You know, he's very genuine and very loving. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I, I know that I'm, I'm certain that he gets a lot of grief for having, you know, the uh, young girlfriend for the second time, now fiance, I think. Um, 
but that's a that's a genuine love between the two of them and uh, uh, you know from the outside I think people probably look at it like well no his his wife passed away so now he's just gonna go you know chase these young girls around that's and that's not the way it went that's not the way it went down he and he and Myra we got to witness and sit in the kitchen with them and see the the relationship that they had and that was a genuine love affair for what 54 years something like that um, he's a very genuine and loving person Life for Drew Bledsoe was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Family, mm -hmm. in your hometown, yeah. creating jobs, yeah. a business. Yeah. You said you're a wine person now who yeah. used to play football. Yeah. You at a happy point in time of your life? I'm, I'm, at, a, I'm at a good place. And, and, um, and, and, you know, and I recognize, and I think I try to say frequently, you know, I've, I've lived an, an extremely blessed life. Um, and, and that has very, very little to do with financial success. You know, grew up in a loving home with two parents, got a brother that's still my best buddy, you know, married my college sweetheart, have four happy, healthy kids, um, you know, and, and, uh, and I've never had a real job <laughs> after high school. I mean, I, you know, I worked construction and, you know, when I was in high school and, you know, I had to go work in the wheat fields and so on, but, but you know, since since high school, I, I really never had a real job. I got to play football, and then I got to start and own a winery. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a blessed a blessed existence, and I recognize that. And, and and you know, I hope that I'm playing a very good hand. Well, is what I'm trying to do. You know, people get all kinds of. I've got a great friend in Montana whose license plate says seven two one W O N, which seven two is the worst hand you can ever get in 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 um, in poker. And he's taken the worst hand and won with it, right? And for me, you know, I mean, I was dealt aces, and I'm trying to play them really well and, and trying to make a good impact on the world and, and, and do some good things. Tremendous perspective. Nice. Thank you very much for your time. His name is Drew Bledsoe, the OG number 11. Drew, great to catch up with you, and thank you for all your time. Thanks for coming to see me, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.